Keeping It With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure, is brought to you by TKM Incorporated. This company located in Moss, Tennessee, specializes in erosion control, hydro-seeding, hydro-mulch, silt fence. They do minor excavation work, and they also provide traffic control and construction signs. Their mission is keeping people safe. Their passion is wishing that all men could be saved. TKM stands for The King's Men. If you'd like to contact The King's Men, you can contact them at 931-243-3958, 931-243-3958, or you may email them at tkminc2001 at twlakes.net. That is tkminc2001 at twlakes.net. The King's Men, in partnership with Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. SJL General Contractor is a full construction company that primarily focuses on civil construction and asphalt sales in the Huntsville and Fayetteville regions. Services they provide include, but are not limited to, road construction, asphalt material, underground utilities, site work, and demolition. They employ heavy equipment operators, concrete finishers, pipe layers, and CDL dump truck drivers. If you would like for this company to work for you on your project, or if you'd like to work for them as an employee of this family-owned business, you can contact them at 931-433-4660. That is 931-433-4660. Or three W's and a dot, sjnl.com. That's www.sjnl.com. SJNL General Contractor is a sponsor of Keeping Up With Jones. Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. You don't get to choose what is traumatic to you. And we really don't understand why some things are indelible in the brain and in the memory. The things that I've experienced in a long career as a minister, the tragedies that I've attended, and the things that I've seen as a 30-year police chaplain The things that I thought would keep me up at night and the things that I thought would disturb me do not. And the things that I was unprepared for disturbing me seem to bother me. They get me in my quiet moments. And and I really don't know why those images or those experiences get locked into the trauma center of your brain. I have explained it before that an event linked with an emotion becomes a memory. And it may be the type or the intensity of the emotions that link things into our trauma wiring. As a little boy, there are things from my childhood that that are linked with me. Unfortunately, the emotion that is linked with the experience is, is, is humor. Because when we were kids, some of the stuff that was on TV was not was not entertaining, but it was ridiculous. Yule Theophilus Gibbons would stick his head out from behind a tree and say, you ever eat a pine tree? Many parts of the pine tree are edible. And he was advertising for post-cereals grape nuts. 
and he would begin to tout the properties of eating these naturally occurring foods and that eating a grape nut remind him of eating wild hickory nuts. Well, me and Bobby Phillips, for whatever reason, locked into this commercial, and we had hours of satirical fun. Bobby Phillips would yell, hey, Yule, what you eating? And then he'd stick his head out from behind a tree, and in his best mountain man voice would say, pine cones. And we would spend countless parts of our days roaming through the woods, pretending to be a wild-eyed Yule Gibbons, and, and showing the te television world all the things we could eat from rabbit tobacco to cattails to pine bark to lizards. And we never actually ate those things, but we would pretend to do it. And whoever could come up with the most ridiculous rendition of the commercial won the comedy routine. And we laughed endlessly about those silly things. Second to the Yule Gibbons eating pine cones routine was this overdramatic commercial. It opens up, and you can see a guy dressed in a, a, a karate gi, the kimono that they wear to do karate. And his hand, he doesn't show his face, but his hand is poised over a piece of wood that is suspended on two bricks. And it says, in Japan, the hand can be used as a knife. Hi-ya! And the guy crashes down and breaks these two pieces of wood. And then the scene immediately changes, and it's the same karate sleeve and the same karate hand, and it's floating over a tomato. But this technique does not work with a tomato. And he smashes this tomato onto the table. And for whatever reason, if you're in the seventh or eighth grade, that is golden entertainment. And so they show this guy smashing a tomato. And I really think this is the inspiration for Gallagher's routine when he creates the sledge-o-matic. And he brings all these things out onto the, the table and smashes them with a sledgehammer. I think it starts with this guy smashing a tomato with his hand. And then they segue. That's why we choose to use the Ginsu. And then they start touting the properties of this samurai-like knife that has all the properties of Excalibur. It's this long-bladed, serrated-edged knife, and it says, The Ginsu can cut through frozen food like a hot knife through butter. A Ginsu can cut this tin can and still slice this tomato. A Ginsu can cut a piece of bread so thin it only has one side. And then they show the Ginsu cutting a piece of wood. You can even chop wood with it. And it shows this guy wearing this two-by-four out with a Ginsu. Well, that provided hours of entertainment, roaming through the woods with an old cheap machete that you buy at Walmart and talking about all the things you can cut with a Ginsu. I don't know why that stuck with me. I don't know why that's in my memory. When I see a knife, I think about Ginsu's. And when I see a pine cone, I think about Yule Gibbons eating pine cones, especially Bobby Phillips' version of Yule Gibbons. Now, fast forward in my life. I'm, I'm living at Harding University. I'm in Searcy, Arkansas. And I've got a, a friend who's a girl. And I've preached at her church several times. And this is not Jackie. And, and one of the, the ladies at her church was, was an octogenarian, this, this little old lady. And she was friends with this, with this girl's family. And so we would eat some, sometimes after church, I would preach there and we'd go out and eat and we would share some time together. This little lady, she, she felt bad about the suit that I wore to preach in. Now, I had a, 
a, a, a quote-unquote preaching suit. I, and in those days, you only ever preached in a suit and tie. You never went anywhere without your tie to preach. And that was just the culture we were in. And she asked if I would be okay if she bought me a proper preaching suit. And I don't know if proper preaching suit meant she thought the suit I was wearing was improper or if she just wanted me to have a, a, a variety because maybe she'd seen me preach four or five times and it was always in, in the same suit. I've never been a, a slave to fashion. Uh, I remember when I was recovering from my surgeries, that Jackie had arranged for people to go with me or take me to my speaking engagements. And Lonnie Beth and I walk into this place where I'm going to speak, and they've got a, a poster on the wall advertising, hey, Lonnie Jones is going to be here and speak. And the shirt I'm wearing in the poster is the shirt I'm wearing walking into the building. And Lonnie Beth looks at me and goes, Dad, really? So, so maybe it was just my choice of suit. But anyway, this little old lady was benevolent and I was a poor college kid and, and she took me to this shop and, and she had a suit made for me. Well, at Christmas that year, in one of our casual conversations, found out that she'd had a great grandchild born in Dallas, Texas. And at her age, she felt like she was not going to get to see this baby. Now, you got to remember, in these days, there's no Instagram, there's no Twitter, there's no Snapchat, there's no Facebook. I can't text you a picture. I've got to take a picture with a Polaroid camera. I've got to have the picture developed, and I've got to mail it to you. You know, this baby be walking for this lady sees pictures of it. Well, she's desperately desiring to go to Texas. And, and because I'm loyal and because I had been honored and humbled by her exceedingly expensive gift in my mind of buying me a suit, I said, hey, if you want to go to Texas, I'll drive you to Texas. I'll drive you down there to, to see this, this baby. And so we planned this road trip, and, and I gave up part of my Christmas vacation to take this little lady to Dallas, Texas. And so we get in, in her car, and we start driving out. Well, now the weather turns bad. The weather has been bad. Uh, again, I don't have an app on a phone. I don't even have a phone with an app. I don't even have a phone. So we really don't know what we're driving into. But I remember getting on the bridge in Little Rock and traffic being really, really slow and actually traffic stopping. And I stepped out of the car and looked at the road conditions and realized we had a small, thin layer of ice forming, I think, on the it's a, the Arkansas River, I think, that flows through Little Rock. But there was there was ice on the bridge and we made our way off the bridge and actually were driving into worse weather headed to Dallas. Well, we made it to Dallas and, and we were staying at a La Quinta Inn. Her cousins or her nephews or somebody owned this La Quinta and I had a room and, and they had a room. And uh, I remember watching on, on TV that night that there'd been a 50 car pileup on the, the bridge in Little Rock. And I think we might've been the last car to get off there before that thing happened. So here we are in Dallas, Texas on the, the aftermath of a snowstorm. And we're going to get this little lady in to see her great grandson. So the next morning we get up and we drive through and, and there's snow on the side of the road. There's snow still piled up in the yards. And we get to this young couple's house who are the, uh, owners of the new great-grandchild, and we realize their house doesn't have any power. They don't have any electricity. They can't access their TV. They can't cook any food. They can't warm any bottles, and, and they don't have any heat. 
and and this this couple and I don't remember a lot about them, but you know they were probably millennials before millennials were cool because they're just sitting in this cold house with no resources and and they're really not doing anything proactive about it. And so I began to try to be the problem solver. You know, I'm going to be that guy who fixes this. And so I asked him, I said, you know, you got any scrap lumber? You got any stuff you built? No, we don't have anything. What, you know, is not, not some place you can prowl around behind the neighborhood and, and find some branches or I don't have an ax. I don't have a chainsaw. This guy has nothing. So they're in the room and, and trying to conserve, you know, their heat with, you know, things over the doors and stuff. And so I'm just kind of on my own recognizance and I start prowling around. Well, I go outside and, and, and start looking and piled up down the street are everybody's Christmas trees. Christmas trees, yes. You've got trees that have turpentine in them, and they've been in your house and they've dried out. Now, I, you know, in America, we're the only people who take a tree full of turpentine, bring it into our house, let it dry out, and string cheap electric lights on it, you know, uh, my friend Brian Steren once showed me a book, and it was entitled The Pop-Up Book of Phobias. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Okay, so so I've got this brittle, dried tree full of pine sap, and I'm going to string cheap electric lights on it. What could possibly go wrong? Well, there's these trees all over this neighborhood, and you've got a perfect source of firewood, and they've got a fireplace. They're just not using it. So I go back in. I think, you know, if I had just a you know, a knife the size of a Bowie knife. If I had a medium-sized knife, I could probably do something and help these kids start a fire in their house. And so I start prowling around their kitchen without their permission, and I open this drawer, and, and lo and behold, the angels begin to sing, because what's in this drawer? A Ginsu. Yes, the knife of my childhood dreams is lying here before me. And in Japan, the hands can be used as a knife. But the Ginsu is better. So I take this Ginsu, without their permission, by the way, and I go outside and I start going Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle on the, on the Christmas trees. And I cut the small limbs out for kindling and I start working on the trunks of the trees and I in, in a very short time, I've created a nice little pile of firewood. I come hauling it in. They say, how did you cut that wood up? And I proudly look at them all and say, with a Ginsu. <laughs> and I build a fire and somewhat sort of save the day. Although a Christmas tree fire is very, very smoky, we still had heat in a place that had no heat. And here I was using a Ginsu knife because... In Japan, the hand can be used as a knife. Well, you shouldn't use it on a tomato, and you definitely shouldn't use it to cut up a Christmas tree. But the Ginsu saved the day. Dr. Douglas Tate at Alabama A&M University, when I was a grad student there, made this profound statement. He said, a problem can be defined as a lack of resources. And you know, that that imprinted on me. That's one of those things that you don't know why it stuck with you, but it stuck with me. And so when somebody comes to my office for an initial visit and the conversation I have with them is, okay, where are you? And that could be in life. It could be in your marriage. It could be in dealing with anxiety. It could be in dealing with depression. It could be in coping with trauma. Where are you? Now, where would you like to be? 
Now, the, the gap between where you are and where you want to be, that gap can be filled with resources. What do you need to get there? And if you can define, hey, this is where you are and this is where you want to be, what am I missing to get me there? Is it education? Is it maturity? Is it social skills? Is it brain chemistry? Is it regulation of brain chemistry? Is it experience? Is it knowledge? Is it practice? And all of a sudden, problem solving becomes this very usable formula. Where are you? Where do you want to be? What do you need to get there? And you can define any problem as a lack of resources. Well, over the years, after using that model, I've come to the conclusion that if a problem is a lack of resources, a dysfunction is a misuse of resources. Or maybe even a failure to recognize resources is a misuse of them. And I think what happens when we get into situations and, and we're trying to solve a problem or we're trying to get where we want to be, we tend to be too narrow in our thinking. You see, this young man didn't have any firewood. And he didn't have any firewood gathering tools. He didn't have a splitting maul. He didn't have an axe. He didn't have a saw. But he had wood. And, and he had a ginsu. And although it's not traditional, although it's not the way you would normally gather firewood, although it was not ideal, neither was it unacceptable. Because it cut the tree, and the tree provided fuel for the fire. And I think sometimes we, we start waiting on the, the ideal job, when any job brings in money, and any job gives you experience, and any job gives you more qualifications. And, and I think sometimes we start looking at our resources and we don't either A, recognize our resources, or we don't want to use them because it's not the traditional way we would use them. But you think about all the people who have invented things and become millionaires, and they took something commonplace and they used it in an uncommon way. Whether it was a theory about the way things should work, or whether it was a theory about, the, hey, this will never work, the people who invent things have a unique way to apply the use of resources. And so when it comes to solving problems, number one, it's do I recognize what resources I'm missing? And do I have a way to attach myself to those resources? And then number two, have I looked at my resources? Have I, have I looked and said, hey, even though I don't have an axe and even though I don't have a chainsaw, do I have something that I can use to cut wood or, or can I use something to build a fire? And it may not be traditional firewood and it may not be traditional wood tools. But I also heard one time that vision is the ability to see opportunity in the present circumstances. And so many times we get stuck in our problems and it's not because we don't have the resources, but we don't have the vision to take advantage of the opportunities that are lying around in our kitchen drawers. Solving problems is not just about lacking resources, but recognizing resources. Vision 
is the ability to see resources in the present circumstances. Keeping up with Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. I am your host, Lonnie Jones. My wife Jackie and I moved to the city of Huntsville in 1986 for me to be a youth and family minister. I have been a minister since 1980. I have served in this community as a police chaplain assigned to a SWAT team since 1992. And I've been in private practice as a licensed professional counselor since 1998. I'm also an adventure educator and an avid outdoorsman. I dabble in rock climbing and I goof around with Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Our life has been full of many wonderful experiences and some just outright adventures. I used to write about those things in a little church bulletin article. So now instead of asking you to read those things, we're just going to talk about them in our podcast. And as we talk about them, we're going to talk about the facts. The facts lead to concepts and the concepts lead to application. One caveat about the facts is for the most part, we're going to tell you the facts just as they happened. But every now and then, we're going to tell you the way other people have told us they remember it happening with a little bit of embellishment. It's all good, clean, fun, and for educational purposes. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy Keeping Up with Jones. <laughs>